Well, last week we um, got partway through a message on, uh, on uh, Romans 16. I invite you to return to that passage and we'll uh, just briefly summarize what we talked about last week and then look at, at points, what were points three and four uh, as we consider that, uh, that uh, passage. As we consider the, the beauty, the importance, the necessity of being people, men and women, who greet one another um, with the, the beauty of the gospel. Romans 16, uh, re- reading verses 1 through 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the, Lord, of the church at Centrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Uh, greet uh, Prisca and Aquila, my servant, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, uh, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved um, Eponidas, um, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Uh, greet Andronicus and Janiah, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They were well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Uh, greet uh, Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Uh, Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Uh, Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, uh, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet um, Asyncritus, Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, uh, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Well, we come to the end of this uh, magnificent letter. And I can imagine that those who were listening to this read in their presence for the very first time would have delighted to hear their names read and they're receiving their greetings uh, from the Apostle Paul. And yet the Holy Spirit inspired this passage, breathed it out for your sake as well. For your growth in Jesus. One of the most instructive chapters in the New Testament. Quoting a a theologian I mentioned last week. Uh, How you greet 
reflects how deeply Jesus has transformed you. How you greet reflects the depth of the work of God in your heart. The work of the triune God. Uh, We are chosen by God, of course, and we have God's favor and God's smile as his children. And therefore, we give that smile to other adopted children, our spiritual siblings. It's how we relate to one another. And we do so following Christ who has demonstrated his love for us on the cross, and we demonstrate our love to one another in two ways, this passage teaches us. Once, one, in the way we greet each other verbally with language, but secondly, verse 16, slightly awkward moment, in our kissing one another. We'll deal with that later on, but it's part of the message Paul has for us today. But our call, then, is to act out gospel affection in your greetings. To act out gospel affection in your greetings. Just reminding you that last time we looked at the good news of Jesus is for ordinary people, that all kinds of people are in the church. There are rich and poor. There are slave and free. There are male and female. There are city folk and country folk. There are black and white. All different kinds of people. And yet God finds ordinary people like us and He names us elects us and knows our name and folds us into his family home. And so we greet each other as forgiven sinners. And how important that is. Because we come into this place with baggage. We come into this place carrying a load at times. And we need to hear that reminder that we are forgiven sinners and greeted that way with a smile from our dear friend. So, secondly, the gospel unites all kinds of people. The gospel unites us as his church. And, And I think two powerful ways in which the gospel does that. We are reminded of the mercy of God and we are also brought together in the unity of Christ. We're reminded of the mercy of God. People come into these doors carrying a burden of anxiety. Some are fearful. Some may certainly be experiencing loneliness, especially in these days. And so our greeting is one of mercy. We are reminding one another of the mercy of God. We're also, as we greet one another, we are encouraged and built up and refreshed in our sense of unity as the family of God. It is wonderful to see the greeters back at the door there. And one of the things that just encourages me so much about that is I hear, I hear some of you at various times sort of over here as the conversation sort of clicks about that, 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 uh, that we are so, it is so good to be greeted even as a member of the church And so much more, perhaps, for those visitors who are among us. That greeting is important. And likewise, if you're, if you go into a social setting and a a friend or acquaintance 
uh, does not greet you, what comes to your mind? What is the first thing you're going to Oh no, are they mad at me? They're ignoring me. What did I do? We benefit from being greeted. Experience that unity with one another and that union with God himself. And so, reminding you of last week, very important, very, very important, that our greeting conveys what Romans 8 conveys. Romans 8 conveys, it opens up, no condemnation. And our greeting conveys to one another with a smile, no condemnation. Romans 8 ends with this beautiful declaration, no separation. And our greeting conveys that beautiful, merciful, united thought, no separation, not from one another, certainly, certainly not from God. Well, thirdly, or firstly today, uh, we are together because of Christ. We're together because of Christ. Did you notice even in my reading today, stressing the frequency that the frequency of times that Paul uh, uses someone's name and then says, in Christ or in the Lord? Um, j- just looking briefly at this, n- notice, notice in verse 3, uh, greet uh, Prisca and Aquila, uh, my fellow workers, in Christ Jesus. Uh, but the same is true for Andronicus and Janina. They were in Christ before me. In, in verse 9, uh, um, Urbanus, our fellow worker, in Christ and so forth. And, and then also the phrase, in the Lord, five times appears. Just, just reading a couple of them here. Uh, that, that you may welcome her, Phoebe, in the Lord. And then on and on again. The point here is that Paul cannot conceive of people in the church without thinking, consciously thinking of their connection to Christ, to the Lord. He sees believers in Christ. There are social barriers all over in our society. But they fall down here. Jesus is bigger than race. Jesus is bigger than politics. Jesus is bigger than those barriers that we so often feel out in our society. He can't, Paul can't help seeing people in Christ, in the Lord, and therefore welcomes people. Listen to this welcome that Paul's always given. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That's Romans, that's Romans 15, verse 7. And so we learn also to accept one another, welcome one another with a warm heart and open arms. We love each other, rich or poor. Male or female, black or white, masked or unmasked. One of the sharp divisions in our society today. We love indiscriminately in Christ. What separates people out there does not separate people in here. And we are united, as Romans 15 says, so that we may glorify God with one voice. We are united so that God is honored because we sing with one voice. 
And we speak then and sing and greet with the conquering power of Christ's affection. Christ's affection. Reminding you again of of how Paul addresses uh, his friends. Um, My beloved Epinetus in verse 5. In verse 8, uh, Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet the beloved, verse 12, Persis. We are spiritual siblings. I, I want to do a little bit of a detour right now uh, to uh, reference a passage uh, that is so important for each of us to understand and to live in the light of. And, and that's 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15. That's a, there's, that passage has been so important even in the life of our denomination. Um, it, was, it was preached by J. Gresham Machen in November of 1936. Listen to that date. Do you remember? It was, it was preached at the second General Assembly held in November that year, the second one, uh, in 1936, the year of our founding, and he died on the 1st of January in 1937. But his, his sermon, uh, let, let me read that text to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is where affection comes from, people. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Christ died for us and therefore all died. Christ died for us, therefore all died. Usually when we think of Christ dying for us, it's because it's so that we would not die. So that we would live. We would be saved from death. But you died in Him. You died in Him, your representative, as He died on the cross for us. Your death, His death was your death. His resurrection is your resurrection. So that, as we love to sing to Him, the the justice smiles and asks no more. He died for you. Your death in Him your wretched and stubborn pride. He died with you in mind on the cross because He loved you without reservation on your good days and on your worst days. He loved you. So Christ's love constrains you. It hems you in. It keeps you from doing certain things. You live for Him who died for you. His love constrains you. It, it, as as Machen said, hems you in to keep you from doing certain things. You can't. You can't be stuck on yourself any longer. 
It, it can't be just about you any longer. The worship of self is broken. The addiction of self is broken. And the love of Christ there compels you to a whole different lifestyle. Breaking the addiction to self brings us into a a, a beautiful place of freedom. Breaking the addiction of being self-focused brings us into the glory of freedom. We greet each other because we live now for Christ. We love each other because we live now for Christ. Jesus' love empowers us. It compels us. It shapes our will and it shapes our affections. What a massive promise this is. Jesus changes us and how we love and who we love. John Piper, in thinking about this this, uh, passage in Romans 16, says that now, as he's looking about the church there and how each is in Christ or in the Lord, that our lives now revolve around Christ. Our church now revolves around Christ. And that's why we greet each other the way we do, that our lives are so drenched in the glory of Christ We speak of Him. We look at each other as in Christ people. And when we talk on the phone, we speak of Christ because we are in Him together. Our lives are so captivated by the Lord Jesus. We live now for Him and no longer for ourselves. Well, lastly... Therefore, because our lives and hearts have been captivated by Christ, because His affection has now been really taken control of our own lives and hearts, we therefore have affection for one another. And the the fourth point, we don't need to be embarrassed to show affection. (laughs) We're getting to verse 16, aren't we? We don't have to be embarrassed to show affection. Listen to this. I want to read a statement and we'll unpack it a little bit. But but in Christ, we become more precious to one another. And we should not be embarrassed or ashamed to show it because Christ was not embarrassed or ashamed to demonstrate his love for us. We We are more precious to each other as time goes by. Not ashamed or embarrassed to show it because Jesus was not ashamed or embarrassed to demonstrate his love for us. So we get to the point here, and with apologies to William Shakespeare, uh, to kiss or not to kiss, that is the question. Um, and I know this is a little awkward. I, I was reminded this morning, talking to uh, my, my daughter, that this, this is how uh, the movie Princess Bride opened up. Do you remember that? I've heard that. We've seen that movie maybe a hundred times in, in the background. Um, and, uh, and, and, it, and it's as the Peter Falk figure is um, reading the story to his grandson, it starts sort of on a romantic note, and his grandson says, Is this a kissing book? Not very excited about that. Um, but uh, we could open the scripture as a kissing book. Oh my, oh my. 
Now, it may be that in our families, maybe our family of origin, or maybe the family we're in right now, does not consider, not a, not a touchy-feely family. Certainly no kissing, and not much hugging. And uh, what, do we, what do we do with that? We like, some like to keep a reserve distance, feel safe, and all of that. It was normal... It was normal in the New Testament times, five different letters Paul concludes with this admonition, this command to give one another that holy kiss. Peter, in one of his epistles, has the same command to greet one another with that holy kiss. The question, of course, is, uh, should it be our normal? That is the question. I, I uh, in some of my earlier trips to Puerto Rico, I, I learned that um, that kissing is how women greet women, and men and women can greet uh, each other that way. I didn't see any of the male male kissing, but but men and women can greet that whether that uh, greet each other that way as well. But they do it at the mall as much as they do it in church. So that's not going to help us a whole lot. That's more of a cultural thing. And it was interesting for me as I sort of walk in there as a, as a Yankee and I see them doing this and I'm like, that's okay, just sort of standing in the background a little, well, it's a little awkward. <laughs> Do I participate or not? And then, you know, you sort of work, work through that after, after a few visits. You learn how to kiss cheek to cheek and you sort of kiss the air. So uh, any, anyway... Um, and and uh, J.B. Phillips' translation of this verse, a, a, a great British uh, writer, uh, translates this verse to fit, uh, to fit British uh, sensibilities, and it says, Give one another a hearty handshake all around. <laughs> yeah. There it is. <laughs> I was so struck, though, to read... Uh, John Murray, a Scotsman, make this comment, describing the kissing thing in the Western church. He, he said this, to show, we show unnecessary reserve, even the loss of ardor, that word means a passion or warmth of feeling, even the loss of ardor of Christ's first love, or the church's first love, which would be Christ, when the holy kiss is conspicuously absent. Let me read that again more simply. We show unnecessary reserve, even the loss of ardor of Christ, of the church's first love, when the holy kiss is conspicuously absent. Now, John Murray was one of my dad's professors in seminary back in the late 30s, early 40s, and uh, Dad reported that it was said back then that uh, if there was, you noticed the glint of compassion in John Murray's eyes, it was certainly the glass eye that you were seeing. He, he was not known for much in the way of emotional expression of that sort. And yet here it is. Does the lack of kissing describe a lack of ardor for Christ in the church. Well, it is easy to fall into one extreme or another. Uh, early, early, uh, in the early church, Justin Martyr, for example, uh, put, it, put it in the liturgy 
Uh, that means, and it was so after the prayers, after prayers, you'd say, look at our bulletin, it might say prayers here, and then there would be the, uh, the kiss, the liturgy of the kiss, uh, followed by the Lord's Supper. So, so you would get up, presumably, and give each other a, a kiss as part of the liturgy. And so it is that we like to, to make up a word, liturgize things. Yet when we liturgize things, we, we can lose some of the sense of, of authenticity, perhaps, or the sense of, of, of genuineness is a better word, I suppose. It can become, it can make affection into a formal ceremony. Having it in the liturgy doesn't make it genuine love. Well, the, on the other hand, and I won't even say what he said, but you should, Look at Calvin someday on this passage that, that, uh, that uh, it, it, it can become inappropriate. It can lead to inappropriate thoughts and behaviors. And, and, and so he, he cautioned very, very carefully against that opposite or other extreme of becoming inappropriate. And yet, all right, we are to be controlled and constrained by Christ's love. That means to show affection in a genuine but not forced way. To show affection in a natural and not staged way. Because we're precious to each other, we should grow in being not so embarrassed or ashamed to show that holy and outward demonstration of love, whether it is a handshake Maybe we'd be a little bit more comfortable with a, a little a little hug, and perhaps in some cases, some, for some people, a kiss. But the the point is, an outward demonstration of the reality of our relationship in Christ. Why? There's six. There's fifteen verses of verbal greetings here. Why isn't that enough? Well, it would appear, and this is a very difficult thing to talk about for just a moment here, but it would appear that Paul thinks we need some form of, of, of natural human contact in our relationships. Whether it's a, a kiss or perhaps a hearty handshake, there is a sense of warmth and connection and closeness. that seems to add to the very necessary, important words that we use as well. It it is a personal thing. You matter to me. You are precious to me. What is so difficult, of course, is because we are in this place now of physical distancing. We are not supposed to be even shaking hands. I suppose a fist bump is okay, right? But we still need the warmth of connection all the more. All the more because we can't have that physical contact. So this is kind of a difficult thing for us. I'm seeking to offer you something, and then our society has taken it away, or this virus has taken it away. 
Well, let's, how do we handle that then? I, I think it's a simple thing of being all the more attentive in what we speak, in how we look at one another, with an eye, a steadfast eye on one another, to look at each other, and, and to convey in what we say and how we say it a greeting that declares no condemnation, no separation. We're here together in Christ. You are, Psalm 16, did you hear this at the very beginning? You are one of the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I love you. Your greeting needs to convey that because not even a handshake will do today. We convey to each other what we have in Christ. That is a place of welcome. We work all the more to convey warmth without touch in the way that we greet. Well, finally, finally, a great question for each one of us to consider is, are we, are we ourselves home with God? Are we in God's house, not just in his church here, but are we in his house? Are we at home with God? Have we personally experienced the welcome of Jesus Christ? We have been brought near by the one who came near to us at Christmas. We have been brought near through the work of the Spirit by the one who, was came, who, who came near at, at Christmas. When we look to him, when we look to him, and, and, uh, and, and we, can, we unload the baggage that we're carrying. We unload the baggage of, of sin and guilt that, that we so often, and, and as, as someone who does not yet know Jesus, it is, it is present with you. And, and I urge you today um, to leave your baggage outside, to leave your baggage on the cross where Jesus died for you and where you can say you too died to the condemnation of sin and then you turn around and you walk gladly and boldly into the very presence of God in his house you have received his welcome his generous favor through the Lord Jesus Christ may that be said of each one of us Let's pray. Our God and Father, uh, you are so full of mercy and welcome um, in our Lord Jesus that our hearts are are full, but we know that we still grasp this gospel um, in a flimsy way. You are so much more wonderful, so much more holy and righteous and welcoming than we can imagine in our current state. And so we, um, we give you praise today. Uh, we are thankful um, to be among your people. We're thankful uh, to be in this body of Christ where we experience uh, what it means and what it feels like to come home. 
even to one another. So we pray this in his name. Amen.